You're listening to the Straight Up Saints Podcast. What is up, Houdet Nation? Welcome back inside another edition of the Straight Up Saints Podcast presented by Boot Crew Media and Ornitos Tequila, the official tequila of Boot Crew Media. And for the first time since October 31st, I know that sounds crazy to say, but it is the reality here. The Saints are coming off a win. And it is actually absurd because I can't tell you how many times the last couple of weeks I've been dying to see uh, the Saints win. So I'm going to have a victory recap podcast, but here it is. So Saints beat the Jets pretty handily, 30 to nine. You could say some of it was garbage time. Sure, I'll get into all that in a little bit. For people who are tuning in, whether it's Twitter, whether it's YouTube, make sure you come through the link that I dropped in on Twitter and you can come in the chat. You can leave your comments if you want to talk Saints, you want to talk about what's going on in the NFL. This is a crazy Sunday in terms of the NFC playoff picture, which I'll discuss in a little bit, although I know people aren't super crazy about that right now. But again, go to Twitter, go to the link, and you can go through there and you can hit me up. You can leave your comments in because, again, for some weird reason, the comments through Twitter aren't coming in. So go on YouTube and let's talk Saints. So let's get into it. Saints win 30 to 9. You kind of saw on la- on the previous podcast, just reviewing it with my guy, Darian Gray, uh, the mouth of the South, we were talking about this Saints game. And the last couple of weeks, I've been kind of pessimistic with the way I looked at it. And I'm not going to use the Saints beating the Jets as a way to justify the Saints going on some crazy run here because I don't necessarily think that's the case. But for this game, I didn't envision a scenario where the Saints would lose to the Jets. I just think that the Jets have a lot of issues right now. They're a bad football team. And yes, the Saints have been a bad football team the last month and a half. But for the Jets, it's just a historically bad team that has really struggled. And like the Saints, they're banged up. The only difference is the Saints have a coaching staff that when they're banged up, they could still look somewhat competent for the Jets. You saw it. No Corey Davis, no Elijah Moore. Tevin Coleman's out. You didn't have Michael Carter, and you just look like another mess. Didn't score a touchdown, even in garbage time. I know Zach Wilson and those guys wanted to score a touchdown in garbage time. The Saints said no touchdown for you on that one. So that was an impressive performance defensively. Offensively, man, it was a whirlwind. And funny enough, for people who check my Twitter, I told you guys I watched the first half at MSG because I was at the Knicks-Bucks game, which started a little over an hour before the Saints-Jets game. So I kind of figured I'll be able to enjoy that court side and then go watch the Saints game in the second half at home and just watch the first half on my phone, was able to watch it on a monitor in front of me, so it made it very easy. And the offense was just putrid in the first half. You know, I I thought Alvin did a good job running the football, but I thought Taysom Hill really struggled in the first half. That second half, however, there was actually some flow to the Saints offense. I know you take that last touchdown away, it kind of elevates and escalates the score. Like, it really looked like 23-9, to not 30-9. to But I thought there was actually some flow in the Saints offense for the first time in a long time. And... I think we kind of saw a little bit of that against Dallas, and that's why I said on the on the preview podcast for this, if the Saints actually just play the way they played against Dallas, they would beat the Jets pretty easily because Dallas is a good team. New York, obviously, is just not a good team. So I, I thought that was going to be an easy read for this one, and I'm pleased that the Saints did what they are supposed to do. I didn't want to see them barely beat the Jets. I wanted them to win handily because this is a bad football team, and yes, the Saints were on a five-game losing streak, but when you get Alvin Kamara back, when you get Marcus Davenport back, these are big-time players. And I thought both were outstanding. I thought Davenport was just bullying over dudes. And then Kamara, obviously, 27 carries for a, a buck 20 and a touchdown, on top of also being pretty good in the in the receiving game with four catches for 25 yards. I thought Kamara stepped up. I thought that Davenport stepped up. And when you get those guys into the uh, you know onto the field, I think it makes a world of difference in terms of what you're looking at as a team. And again, the Saints have other guys that could come back soon. You could have Ramchek return. Obviously, you want to have your D-line at full strength. Cam Jordan can come back. Mark Ingram can come back. So the Saints were still shorthanded, and they were able to look much more competent, especially in the second half, 20 points in that second half. 
I know it's just the Jets. You're not going to play the Jets every week. You get lucky to play the Jets. I get that. But for them to actually look good in the second half was important. And I'm going to talk about Taysom Hill particularly because I think there's a lot to discuss there. And I saw some people were pleased with him. Some people were saying it just doesn't work. I'll get my thoughts on that in just a sec. But I really want to give a shout out to a couple of guys in particular. I thought Quan Alexander balled the hell out today. He did have a couple of mistakes, but I thought at some point, especially in the uh, in the second half, he was just all over the field. And you love that from him. I thought he stepped up with the linebacking corpse being a little bit banged up. I thought Quan did his thing. I thought Lattimore, for me, he had the energy from the get-go. And I think that's super important because when you don't have Corey Davis and you don't have Elijah Moore out there, it's very easy for us to have this Lattimore conversation about, oh, here he goes with the no-name receivers balling out. But the, same, the, the Jets' leading receiver, excuse me, Braxton Berrios, 52 yards. A lot of that was in situations where it did not matter. It really did not matter. So I thought that was good. Also, a shout-out to Ty Johnson, the Jets running back. He was the best player for the Saints today with the amount of drops that he had. He had three drops in the first quarter that were all critical drops, and I thought that kind of set the tone for the Jets of not having confidence, not knowing what to do, and you kind of saw that. Zach Wilson had a really bad game, 19-42. He looked flustered. I thought that the Saints' defensive line did a good job, even though they were undermanned, getting after him, and that was obviously an encouraging sign. So a lot to take out of it. And the last guy I'll give a shout-out to, I thought Paulson Adebo, Playing through the final whistle, I think it's a really important asset to have. And I think for this kid, there's been a lot of times where we've talked about Adebo struggling, and, and there probably will be a couple more times this season where he struggles because he's a rookie cornerback. But he doesn't let him; sh- he doesn't let it shake him. And I think that's such an important quality to have, and it really, really pleases me. I think Paulson Debo is going to be a player in this league for a long time, and, it, and it's stuff like that, the mental aspect of it, that makes it really encouraging. So all around. I would give this defense an A+. If you're not giving this a de- this defense an A+, you're just being a really harsh grader at this point. You give up nine points. You don't let them in the end zone. And let's be real. In the first half, particularly, guys, the Jets were having good field position because how many times did you watch the, the game and it's for the Saints offense, it's third and 31, third and 24, and you're like, all right, this is ridiculous. You're, you're just giving away drives, and the Jets were getting good field position. So to not let them in the end zone, to do what you're supposed to do, I thought it was great. I tweeted before the game, either it was Saturday night or Sunday morning. I don't remember when I put it out there, but I said, there's no excuse for the Saints defense to not be dominant to come out and do what you are supposed to do. I always love that as, as a fan, not even just looking at it from an analyst perspective. This is a fan. I'm always pleased when I see that. I think that's just great to see. So let's get into the offense because there's not much more to say about the defense. I thought they were great. And again, they're not even at full strength health wise, which is a, it's a good sign in terms of what they could be down the road. So let's get into the offense. Taysom Hill, look, there's still concerns. There, the incompletions he had were not great. I mean, the ball did not come out sharp, especially in the first half. I thought the second half, the ball had a lot more zip on it. Don't know what he was using, whether he had some type of uh, some type of sticky you know, substance on his hand like those pitchers do in the MLB, but he had a lot more zip on his throws in the second half. But the first half, I thought that he, he looked a little shaky from a throwing perspective, and that was expected. You know, when I, when I say that I thought he would have three rushing touchdowns, a lot of it had to do with, one, he's a good runner, and two, he's banged up, and he's not a great thrower when he isn't banged up. And now that he is banged up, you kind of take that into account. But to finish 15 of 21 and, and to the screen passes, I thought were important. I know he botched one earlier in the game, and I kind of said that kind of summed up the season, just seeing them struggle and being in such a bad situation in the second and 31. But I, I thought in the short passing game, I thought Taysom Hill did a decent job, especially in the screen game. And I think that was my biggest concern about Taysom Hill in August, you remember when we were talking about the quarterback battle and obviously Jameis Winston was the better quarterback option, but I said a big issue was that 
Taysom couldn't hit the screen passes. He's improved on that a lot, and I think that's really important because for the Saints, when you have Alvin Kamara, and even Tony Jones Jr. had a nice 19-yard catch, when you got playmakers like that, the screen game is going to be really, really important. It's going to be one of your best friends as a quarterback. So for Taysom Hill to get better in that aspect, I think that's really good. And here's where I'm at with Taysom Hill, guys. He is not a QB1, but at the end of the day, look at the circumstance the Saints are in. Like, I know a lot of people were calling for Ian Book to start, and on some level, I understand the urgency to kind of see what the rookie's about because in some people's minds, it's a lost season. And I get that. The Saints have been through the ringer in terms of injuries. But on the other hand, I think, look, for the Saints, you are 6-7. and seven. And as wild as that sounds, six and seven is a pretty good spot to be in right now if you're trying to compete for an NFC playoff spot in the wild card race. Again, sounds silly, but it's the truth. And for the Saints, until they're like mathematically out of it or the season seems lost, I think you still kind of play Taysom Hill and you go with this heavy run offense. Now, when the first half happens and you only score 10 points and it looks like your quarterback can't grip the football, yeah, of course, the 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 claims and the the you know the chance to get Ian Book in there or Trevor Simeon I get why fans do it, absolutely. But you watch the game unfold, and you see that despite the foot injury, I think Taysom Hill's actually been running the football really, really well the last two games. I think that this is kind of what you need to do. This is what you kind of have to be, a running offense with a defense that has been really good more times than not this season. Yes, the defense has slipped up at times, but for the most part, we're not really sitting here looking at the Saints being 6-7, and seven, being like, hey, I think the defense needs to be better. No. It's the offense. It's the bad receivers. It's the injuries. Like, those are the main reasons. So, I look at Taysom Hill. I, I never thought he was going to do anything over this stretch for me to be like, man, you know, maybe Taysom's the future. No, absolutely not. But when you're in a weird scenario and you only have four games left, which is crazy to think that this season is kind of, fly, you know, it's flying by in my opinion, although, although it does every single year, I think Taysom obviously for now is the short-term answer of what you're doing for the Saints to finish this season. You know, if things go south next week against the Bucs and – you feel like you're not making the playoffs, and yeah, let's do this thing. Like maybe you put Ian Book in, but for now, as long as you feel like the playoffs are attainable, and let me tell you something, guys. You look around the NFC, Washington after losing today, they're six and seven. The Eagles are six and seven. The Falcons are six and seven. The Saints are six and seven. The Vikings are six and seven. All these six and seven teams, these are your six and your seven seeds. Funny enough, the six and seven teams, those are your six and your seven seed. Now we'll see what happens with the Niners Bengals game. If the Niners win, that gives them cushion. If not, you have another six and seven team in the mixture. So I think that for the Saints, you're going to play out this Taysom Hill thing. And I think for, for them, this formula could potentially work if you get Ramchek back and your run blocking is getting a little better. Because again, that's a big factor. You don't have Ramchek right now. He's been out for a while and this injury has lingered. So if you get him back, that's going to be another strength for your offense in terms of run blocking. And again, like I said, Taysom is not going to wow you as a thrower, especially now with the injury. And he needs to just hit on the short passes, take the check downs and hit your occasional crossers. And if you can do that, and I thought he did that at a decent level today, you can be at least functional. They need to be better in the first half. This has been an issue the entire season in terms of starting slow, but at least in the second half, there was rhythm and there's not been rhythm in the Saints offense since Jameis Winston went down. And even when Jameis was in, and obviously some of it's on Jameis, some of it's on the O-line, some of it's on just bad receivers, and most of it's on bad receivers, don't get me wrong. This offense has not had rhythm a lot, you know? They've had rhythm against Washington. They've had rhythm today against the Jets. They've had rhythm at times against the Giants, but a lot of times they're just out of sorts, and that's kind of a, a personnel issue for this team. So you run with Taysom, and you kind of see what's going on. And funny enough, you guys mentioned it. I did start Taysom Hill in fantasy, and again, this has nothing to do with it. I think... Little fantasy football rant real quick, guys. The difference between a fantasy quarterback and a reality quarterback are so, so different. 
You know, I, you watch Taysom Hill play today, and you're like, all right, whatever. Like, he was okay at best. And then you look at fantasy, and he's the number one quarterback for today because rushing matters, and, and, and those yards and those rushing touchdowns count. And it's kind of the same thing when you look at, like, a Jalen Hurts or guys like that where you look at their numbers. Jalen Hurts is, like, the number two fantasy quarterback, but the Eagles have had games where he hasn't looked good as a passer. So it's a weird situation, uh, but we'll see what will go from there. So before I wrap it up, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep going, obviously, if you guys are listening on Twitter, go to the YouTube link, drop some comments in. I obviously want to interact with you guys, talk about this Saints game, the NFL, whatever you want to ask me, drop it in. I'm going to pull it up and we'll talk about it. But obviously the vibes are just much better. I, You know, and again, I do this a lot because I'm a fan, not just because I, I like being in this, you know, podcast industry, but you do a lot of the things because you're passionate about it. And even though there'll be a lot of people that say, hey, Chris, all they did was beat the Jets. Do you really get excited over that? I do. Like, I don't care who they beat, you know, they've beaten the Packers, they've beaten the Patriots, they've beaten the Buccaneers, they've beaten a lot of good football teams this year when they were at full strength. And the way this season has gone, I don't care if they're playing the Jets and the Jets stink. I will take that win every single day because a win's a win. And I know that a lot of people want them to tank and want a better draft pick. But for me, there's still four weeks left. Like we can get to that point where we could talk about, yeah, a loss would help them for draft position, but I still want to see them win. I do not care that it came against the Jets, and I do not care if you look at this game and tomorrow you won't even see highlights of it because the Saints played the Jets, and who cares about that? I don't care, okay? I'm not here to worry about who the Saints beat as long as it's a win. That's really all I care about. And for me, it's frustrating. Like, for five, you know, I can only imagine what the players are going through because every Saints podcast, whether it's me, whether it's the Saints Twitter podcast, whether it's Ross, you know, there's so many good ones out there. You think we enjoy talking about the Saints losing five straight weeks? No, that, that's not fun at all. So, yes, is it, you know, a win that you're not going to, you know, I'm not going to brag about them beating the Jets for a week straight. No, but it at least increases the morale. You see the videos now. If you guys haven't checked on Twitter, you see them celebrating in the locker room. This is a confidence booster for this team because they just needed to stop the skid. And look, I don't know if they're going to come out next week and just shock the Bucs. I, I probably think it's unlikely but at least you stop the bleeding a little bit and you crack the door open just a tad to make this worth playing down the stretch. And that's all you can ask for, especially with the way this season's gone with so many guys going down with not having good receivers with Michael Thomas, not playing a single down. It stinks, you know? So you want to have a little sliver of hope and you know what is if it's false hope, so be it. If it ends up working out, let's ride. Like, you know, I just want something worth talking about. Because, man, six straight losses would have been shitty and had the sixth one come to a Jets team that is dysfunctional right now for about the seventh year in a row, that would have been terrible, guys. I don't know about you. So let me get some into some of the comments here. Obviously, guys, if you're watching on Twitter, go to YouTube, drop in comments. Love to interact with you guys, whether it's the Saints, whether it's the NFL. My thoughts on the playoff picture, let me know. Drop it in, obviously. So let's get to this one. Do you think we should consider putting Jawan Johnson at receiver? I mean, I think it's, it's something you can consider with the way that this roster is just depleted. I think finding where you can use Juwan Johnson as a mismatch is the important thing because Juwan as a receiver is probably a tad too slow and as a tight end is in a really nice tier in terms of where the speed is at. And and again, I, I think the Juwan Johnson experiment is really interesting because there's moments where I think he shows a lot of flashes and I say, hey, you could do something with him and then he doesn't really do much the rest of the game. But that kind of goes for the whole Saints tight end group, whether it's him, whether it's Vanette at times, although I thought Vanette played well today, whether it's even Troutman, you know, Troutman's had those moments where I'm like, it's not, you know, sometimes it'll look good. Sometimes it looks great. Of course, his best game he got injured in. It's a give and take. And I think for Juwan, it's, it's actually an adjustment period that is a lot harder than people think. So 
I think you still keep him at tight end, but can you find ways to use him in the middle of the field where maybe he gets matched up against a linebacker or safety and that would be advantage Juwan? I think that's interesting. But again, it's kind of hard to do that right now because you don't have a lot of weapons that command so much attention. Now, having Kamara changes a lot because Kamara is that dude who, if you're defense, you're accounting for Alvin Kamara every single snap. And that's why, you know, even when the Saints only had Kamara and Michael Thomas, people would say you need a wide receiver too. And I totally agree with those people who say that. But the reality is, even if you just have two playmakers that attract so much attention, it opens up for everything else. So I don't even know if switching Jawan Johnson receiver would make that much of a difference. The real issue is not having enough guys to just take the pressure off of these unproven players like a Jawan Johnson. I think that's the bigger deal there. Thought the secondary balled out today as well. Yeah, look, the secondary... And again, I, I think I had this rant after the Eagles game and it was directed kind of towards Saints fans. And obviously I, I never, I will never call out Saints fans in particular. I'm not like that. I love Saints Twitter. I, I absolutely love Saints Twitter. I would not log on Twitter every day if I did not love interacting with you guys. Like it really makes me happy. You know, Darius Slay locked up the Saints receivers during the Eagles Saints game weeks ago. And a lot of people were like, oh, who cares? We got no names, you know, big deal. And I was like, man, no, no. I'd like that Darius Slate didn't give a crap who he was going up against and was like, I'm going to lock you up. I don't care if it's a good receiver. I don't care if it's Deontay Harris. I don't care if it's little Jordan Humphrey. I am going to lock you up. And I, I loved that because how many times did we say, man, there was cornerbacks on the Saints. It kind of seems like they play up to their competition or down to their competition. And I hated that. So for the Saints to come out and go against the Jets that are without Corey Davis and without Elijah Moore. So you're down your best two receivers. This could have been a game for Keelan Cole or Denzel Mims or even, uh, you know, a, a Ty Johnson to kind of explode and have a great outing. And it would have been on brand for the Saints to do that. But they didn't. And, you know, I, I know it's the Jets and I know the Jets are bad. And I know the Jets have two top 10 picks and they're going to be picking very early in this year's draft. And they're going to be a mess for years to come because for the Jets, it's just kind of their DNA. But I don't care. You play the game. Just put the, the names to the side and just play football in between the, 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 the end zones and get it done. And that's kind of what this team did. And again, it could all fall apart next week. You're playing against a Buccaneers team that you know is going to want to beat the Saints because they haven't done it in the regular season in a long time. But who knows? You, you really never know. Uh, so we'll see what happens, obviously. But again, 6-7 and seven is a lot better than 5-8, and eight, especially if that eighth loss was to the Jets. And I'll take it any day of the week. So anyone listening, if you guys want to drop comments, Put them in. I'll get to them. I'll pull them up on the screen. Obviously, it has to be through YouTube, not through Twitter. Um, but it, it really is one of those where I prefer waking up on a Monday knowing the Saints won on a Sunday. And there's been times where the Saints have done it against the Bucks, against the Packers, and those do feel special. Do not get me wrong. Just because it was against the Jets doesn't mean I'm not going to wake up tomorrow and be like, hey, the Saints won. Like, that's much better than when they're losing, man. And I'm not one of those people who just like my, my life revolves around the Saints where like it affects my mood completely. I don't do that anymore. That's long gone. That ship has sailed, boys. But it is nice to wake up on a Monday and know that your team got the job done. And with this NFC playoff picture so wacky, screw it, man. As long as, long as the Saints still got a shot, you're pushing. You're pushing to be a playoff team. So we'll see what happens down the road. But they're six and seven. And I said it before, Washington, Minnesota, um, Atlanta, Philadelphia, all these teams are six and seven. Two of these six and seven teams are going to make the playoffs at this rate, man. Why can't the Saints be one? I guess we'll find out. And again, I, I know there's probably people who are going to listen to me and be like, I'd rather have a high pick than make the playoffs and get knocked out first round. 
and I am not disagreeing with you. But I promise you guys, the Saints are not going to draft who you want them to draft. So let's just let this weird season play out its course. And again, I think it's so easy to look at this year and say it's a throwaway year and the Saints are entering dark times. And I totally, totally feel like that has been a mood for the last five weeks. But I don't see it that way. Like, I do think this team, if they figure it out in the offseason, there's no reason why they can't be a consistent team for years to come. You know, if the Saints figure out the quarterback issue and can figure out this wide receiver dilemma, they have good O-linemen. They have one of the best running backs in the game, who's not just one of the best running backs, one of the best playmakers in the game, okay? You have a defense that has a lot of young talent, and you look at this defense, they've been doing it without Peyton Turner. They've been doing it without Tano Passingo. They've been doing it with their linebackers in and out of the rotation. They've been doing it with Cam Jordan, obviously declining at this stage in his career. They've been doing it with Marcus Davenport missing time. So there's a chance. And especially if Dennis Allen comes back, that would just raise your confidence for next year. And I'm not going all the way into 22, uh, guys, but I'm just saying, I don't think the dark times that people think are coming are actually here, at least not yet. I just don't feel that way about this team. And we'll see what happens moving forward. But I really do feel a lot better today knowing that getting Kamara back, getting Davenport back, and beating a team that you should win against happened. And man, before I go, because I'm not logging off yet, there's two guys in particular I want to shout out. I know he did not kick long field goals today. His longest was 37 yards. But Brett Maher finally gave the Saints consistent kicking for a, a, a whole game. And yeah, 37 yards is probably a chip shot for most people. And the 31-yarder was a chip shot. And the extra points are all 33 yards. And, the, the you know, the weather in New York, or I should say New Jersey, because they play in New Jersey, the Jets, it wasn't bad. So I get it. Like, the kicking conditions were okay. But you still got a job to do. And Maher did that job. And the way the season's gone, and you guys know how bad this kicking situation has been, it was a relief to see the Saints go three for three on their, ex on their uh, field goals and make their extra points. And I don't know if it will happen consistently. So I don't know. And I'll also give a shout out real quick to Blake Gillikin. And I do this almost every week. And I know it's probably getting boring that I keep doing this every week. But Blake Gillikin has established himself already as one of the best punters in the game. And why does that matter? When you're not a great offense, field position is going to be paramount. And he averaged 51.6 yards per punt today. Had another great, great day. And this is why I joke around. Obviously, he's not going to win MVP. He's a damn punter. But this is why I crack all the Blake Gilkin jokes because he's on the money almost every single game. I think he's been the Saints' most consistent performer. Obviously, you don't want your punter to be your most consistent performer. But I thought the special teams today was excellent. I thought the defense again was outstanding. And I thought the running game did what they did. And you hope, you just hope, you can maybe catch the Buccaneers sleeping next week and you go from there. But the Saints are 6-7. and seven. The vibes feel a lot better this weekend than they did last weekend or the weekend before that or the one before that or the one before that. You get the point. Lost five straight games. That was stressful. But the Saints are 6-7. and seven. They are trending a little bit up. We're going to see what happens with Taysom Hill in that finger. Obviously, you hope he gets some rest and can be better. I thought he ran the football well, though, and I think the power, QB power particularly, has just been almost undefeated, kind of like LeVar Ball's record or alleged record, I should say. But anyway, guys, that's going to do it for this edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast. I appreciate you all that were tuning in. Appreciate everyone who interacted on Twitter today. Saints win. They got the job done. Beat the Jets. And you guys know I'm from New York, so I don't have to deal with any stupid Jets fans bothering me this week. And I could give it to them, although I'm not going to because they've suffered enough. But anyway, guys, appreciate you tuning in. I hope you have a great rest of your Sunday. Hope you enjoy your victory Monday, the first victory Monday since the October 31st win against the Bucks. which again, that's sad. But nonetheless, enjoy your victory Monday. Enjoy the rest of this week coming up. And obviously, I'll have a preview coming up on the Straight Up Saints podcast to talk about Saints Bucks next weekend, currently scheduled at Sunday night. 
see what happens if it gets flexed. I don't think so. I think it'd be too late to get flexed now, and they're not moving Brady out of prime time. I mean, you kidding me? Chris Collinsworth's going to talk about him all day. But anyway, enjoy the rest of your week, guys. Enjoy your Victory Monday, and I'll talk to you guys later this week on the Straight Up Saints podcast. You're listening to the Straight Up Saints podcast.